Good afternoon. Welcome back to Kedgefeed. It's Friday, August 6th, 2021. And uh, just like I said yesterday, I wanted to go over a topic that has kind of been mulling around in my head as well, uh, in addition to the new class system. Uh, one of the things that occurred during the pandemic is a lot of people woke up and realized that their local governments weren't for them. Uh, it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and people started moving en masse from the coast to the center of the country. Uh, we saw that here locally. Uh, I was kind of kind of meddled in, in um, real estate and my ex-wife is a real estate agent. And so I meddled in real estate a little bit and we saw it here uh, in both the building and the uh, new uh, housing and on existing housing markets where people were moving into the state where I live, uh, a large portion of people out of even Colorado, Denver, basically blue areas, big city areas from both the coasts were moving here. And my ex-wife is seeing it for where she is in southeastern Connecticut, where it uh, the migra migration of folks coming up the coast and down the coast from Boston and up from New York is massive. So uh, so the, the long-term impact of that, right? We haven't really looked at the long-term impact. A lot of people are, are, are worried about it. Texas turning purple is, uh, is a concern. Um, Florida, South Dakota, all of these states turning purple or even blue is a concern for a lot of folks. And I just wanted to highlight some, some I don't know if they're ne necessarily nefarious, but just some, some, some spots to think about as well where if you really boil down the entire thing. So we just had the census. The census happens every 10 years, okay? They are just coming out with the numbers where there's a slight adjustment in some places, very minor. I think they, the, the Democrats, I, I say the Democrats, but a, a couple of high position, high power states lost a couple of seats that are typically blue states, but they'll redraw the lines. It won't make any difference. They'll get rid of red districts. So ultimately the, the Democrats should be okay. But a lot of these major states like uh, California, New York specifically lost congressional seats, right? So, but these people are all moving to places like the Midwest where, yeah, we've only, in South Dakota, we only have three electoral college votes. We have one congressperson and two senators. But how do you turn that over to you, over to yourself? You don't want to do it where you just go in and try and take power. You can't necessarily take power from people here locally. You can't just go in and say, look, we're all going to vote Democrat because there'll be a massive amount of pushback. But people start moving in and showing up and they start voting like they did back in their old states. We've seen it again. You've seen it again and again in places like Texas, where you've got people moving to, to the major cities there and voting uh, voting very blue and voting for, for effectively leftist policies. They'll also vote in major elections for Democrats where they won't necessarily vote for, for Republicans. So it kind of turns them purple. The next group of purple states will be the Dakotas, Wyoming, those types of states. Wyoming's a little bit different because their housing market is not as easy to break into. Uh, it's a very low tax state. If, if you look at their taxes, it, their taxes are ridiculously low, but you go to try and buy into the, into the state. And one of the issues that they have is uh, the federal and state land 
they control massive swaths of land, hundreds and thousands of acres of land. So there's not a lot of place to build. So the housing is, is a lot more expensive where you come to a place like South Dakota, you can get a, a nice house for $200,000. You go to, if you're moving out of Denver and moving out of Los Angeles or New York and you go, look, I just want to go someplace low tax and kind of forget my woes. You're going to start moving into places uh, like where I, around where I live and you're going to start to turn it blue and it's going to be easy for you to buy into a market like the market around where I am because the the prices are are reasonably low and our taxes are reasonably low not compared to Wyoming but but South Dakota Nebraska uh, those types of states Texas Florida those kinds of states are going to, you're going to see them start to turn blue and and why is that again the people are moving out of their their original states but with the census, you've got them locked in for 10 years. That's where the big congressional redraw is of where you stick those those 500 and I believe it's 535 electoral college votes, where they come out of, what states they come out of. You've got another 10 years before you got to worry about it. So you keep amplifying and pushing these people out. You keep the rent, you know, the the rent moratorium up. You're going to have a person who who is a left-leaning person who can't afford his mortgages buy out of or get out of the market in New York City and move to someplace where there's a little more freedom. They're going to vote themselves less freedom there, but you've got 10 years of that potentially happening. So instead of just trying to figure out a way to push your people out after the or before the census and you lose a ton of place, a, a ton of votes, all of a sudden in 2020 or 2030 rather, the states are gonna look significantly different. You're gonna have purple states. There's a high potential that states like South Dakota, states like Nebraska will turn purple. There are only three electoral college votes, but every small piece matters. They solidly control, the Democrats at least, solidly control big states like New York and like California, where they have massive amounts of electoral college votes, 50 plus votes each. You only have to have to get just over 200 to be able to, to, to make a president, right? So then you start nickel and dime in these little states, Iowa. Um, you start nickel and dime in states like South Dakota, Nebraska, Idaho, and you start moving out. And yes, you, you can't really stop migration on a state level as a, as, a, as a policy. You can't stop people from moving in necessarily. But just as a, as a thought, so what, what in, at the end of it, I guess to kind of put a, put a bow on the entire, entire thought is we've got 10 years where Democrats are going to be able to take full control over states like South Dakota. South Dakota has two big hubs where it's Democrat controlled ish. You've got a lot of the rural area, just like any other state, uh, Illinois is the, the relatively same way. You've got the big hub, Chicago, and then kind of the, the joining cities to that. They all vote blue. But all of the rural communities vote red. So you got a lot of people controlled by, by who, are, who are just kind of leave me alone kind of folks who are controlled by a central government inside those big cities. Our, our capital is only about 30, 35,000 people. But you've got on the eastern side of the state, you've got Sioux Falls and then you've got Rapid City on the western side of the state that are the majority, the, the bulk, I shouldn't say, it's not the majority, but it's the bulk of the population that live in those cities. They don't necessarily vote red, however, they can be overturned. So you have potential in 10 years, if they keep this stuff up where they're forcing people out, where the oligarchs and the, the rich elite who are in the New Yorks and the, the Californias are able to you know, have more power, control more of the vote, 
push out people that are on the fence and they bring those policies with them that they think, well, we just, we care about people. We care about somebody being able to go and, and, and not have to spend money on food if they can't afford food. Just those simple, easy, what seems reasonable type of, of, of views when you get out into, you push those out into the other smaller states, you start turning those three, four, five electoral college vote states over to you, over to the Democrat side. So again, I don't know if it's nefarious. I'm not saying it's a, it's a conspiracy, anything like that. It could very well be. It would be a grand plan. I don't think people are that good and that smart because they can't really plan that well, if, if I'm honest. But the end result is going to be the same, whether nefarious or through just doing their business and it just forces people out. The end result is going to be a 2030 redrawing of the of the lines guarantees that a state like South Dakota, if it gets up to a million, two million people will be blue versus uh, the red state that it is currently. Solid red, 67, 70%, I believe. It's somewhere in that range. It's it's ridiculously high red. And then you start to go towards closer to 50% and a couple more policies get put in place, a couple more people get into power, and you've got a full-blown red state in, in 10 years when the next census come up, comes up. So just, again, as, as, a, as, a, as a thought, uh, it, it's, it's, it's something to consider, something to think about, and something to watch for. Nothing you can do about it. You can't stop internal migration inside the country. You can't stop it. There's no legal way to stop it that I can think of. But at the end of it, you were going to end up with a completely redistricted, completely redrawn country by small chunks, small two, three, four, five uh, electoral college votes. You're going to see it. And it's going to be more and more and more impossible to get uh, a, a Republican into office and making it even more difficult for a third party. It, I'm a libertarian, so it becomes even more difficult as a third party when one one party takes over or one party sees its powers going away and all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't want you guys over here, libertarians. You know, you hear it. Libertarians, it's a waste of vote, plus it takes away from Republicans and then it allows Democrats to get in the office. Well, that's funny. The Democrats say the same thing about Republicans when you vote for a libertarian you're voting for a Republican effectively. So it's it's really a weird dynamic, but but it's going to make it difficult to get anybody into the executive position. And that's at the end of the day what they want is a continuous run of Democrat executives for the country because they're they're going to pull more power at the end of it. It doesn't make any difference. So I just that that was my thought on that and I, I know I said I'd talk about it today and that's why I wanted to talk about. So some other things I want to talk about is I, I do listen to quite a few podcasts. I listen if I pull my list up here, if I can get in here and pull my list up. Um, my list of podcasts I listen to for Canon's sake, uh, that's Eric July, Real Talk with Zuby. Uh, the Lotus Eaters. I listen to Lotus Eaters because they've got a kind of a different perspective on on national politics here. And then I also like listening to about what goes on in the UK and Europe. I, I was stationed there uh, in the military for a couple of years. Uh, Radical with Shane Hazel. 
uh, Brian, the Brian McClanahan show, which is fantastic. I cannot recommend that enough. Dave Smith's part of the problem. Tom Woods's uh, show, uh, You're Welcome, with Michael Malice. And I have a couple other that I just kind of fill in after the fact that I won't really necessarily discuss them. One thing I want to do starting next week is I'm going to go through and my Friday podcast next week, I will hopefully have some type of summary. So if you want to tune in at least once a week, I'll have a general review uh, you're talking upwards of 20 hours worth of worth of podcasts that I'm going to be piling through to kind of give you the highlights and give you the idea. I want to start doing that starting next Friday. That's something that I want to work my way into. And again, just giving you the highlights so that if you don't have an opportunity to listen to those specific podcasts, a couple of them are libertarian. Uh, Zuby doesn't necessarily consider himself a libertarian, but he is liberty-leaning uh, Eric July is another person who is more of a, uh, a libertarian, but he doesn't necessarily vote. And the, the, the Lotus Eaters are, um, they're con, they're con, they consider themselves traditional conservatives like Americans would, but they've got some other views. And then Brian McClanahan, strictly history. So I do want to go, and it'll be a longer episode, probably initially just to kind of get my thoughts out there as I, as I bull down. I want to get to 30 minutes where I can say, look, this is what's going on in these podcasts. But those six podcasts specifically are the ones I want to highlight uh, as the ones that I'm going to, uh, actually eight, I apologize, eight podcasts are the ones that I want to highlight as what I'm going to be doing next, um, excuse me, next Friday. Okay, so tune in on Fridays for that specific uh, show so that you can keep up to date with some of your podcasts that you may or may not be listening to and some of the high, high spots, some of the, the guests that they've had, and maybe some of the, the, the thoughts that they had that struck me as interesting or as groundbreaking, uh, if that makes sense. So, all right, well, you guys have yourself a great weekend. I hope to be able to catch up with you on Monday. Peace.